Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 2021, a new year. Same me, and same promises that I will continue to try to make more frequent uploads to this podcast, but will inevitably fail to do so. No, in all seriousness, I will keep pushing to where I do have a schedule that will facilitate me having more time to be able to make more of these episodes, but obviously, with college, and with family, and with work, Things like that just don't tend to happen, and since this is just something I do on the side, it tends to be the thing that gets pushed off. But it is still not entirely forgotten. I am still here, I'm still wanting to do things, and as much as I can promise to do better with this coming semester, that may or may not happen, but just prayers that I find the time to, or prayers that I find time to be productive with the things that God wants me to do. And so today... A little bit more of a laid-back, a chill episode, but not necessarily of a laid-back and chill topic. We're going to be talking about fatherhood, and not in a literal sense of, you know, parental figures, of paternal figures, I should say, but talking about spiritual fatherhood, talking about who's your daddy, who is your real spiritual father. And we'll be looking in John chapter 8, looking in verse 31, where it says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have uh, never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But, as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have come, uh, not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. It's a lengthy passage. It's a long one. It has a lot of things going on for it. So we'll try to pick it apart as we go along. Now, there was a phrase I heard as a kid a lot, mainly because I had a lot of rebellious tendencies as a child. I mean, who didn't as a teenager? But a phrase I heard a lot was, you'll always be taking orders from someone. Whether it was me going through a bout of frustration with my parents or some other teacher or authority figure in my life, I would hear that phrase a lot. And it was one that I heard when I viewed any mild inconvenience from an authority figure as an absolute travesty to my rights and freedoms. And even if I could get away from the authority of everyone else, 
I was told that I was always serving under God. So we are all serving under at least one person throughout our entire lives, right? I mean, because of that, we become accustomed to abiding by different rules and regulations that are upheld by society or God. These rules, I mean, from God especially, are, are valuable, yes, but what happens when they become the only thing you view yourselves as subservient to? I mean, what happens when you remove God from the picture entirely just to follow this, you know, religious moral idealism? Simply put, it means we've created an idol. And whereas tearing down these idols is simple to do with the power of God, what happens when we're stuck believing that these rules are the power of God? Earlier in John 8, we see the story of the adulterous woman forgiven by Jesus and the religious Jews being, you know, so frustrated of his overturning of their oppressive system. And then this continues into a discourse about what it really means to be from God. And we'll see in this passage, really, how God wants you to be free from the sin of religiosity through the freedom in Christ. And that's the first thing we're going to look at, is that Christ came to set his creation free. Verse 31, So Jesus was saying to those Jews which had believed, on, which had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, as we can see, the Jews that he's talking to were still enslaved to this world. Verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, there are uh, two different scenarios as people uh, view this passage. And either way, both of them point to the same thing. The first scenario that is usually presented is that the pronoun they in verse 33 is not the same Jews in verse 31 that Jesus was preaching to, but it is in fact a reference to those Jews uh, that were talked about earlier in verses 12 and on about the Jews that were antagonizing Christ and even with the story of uh, the adulterous woman of the Jews that were antagonizing Christ throughout their lengthy conversation, uh, trying to get him to trip up in what he was saying. They were prodding Christ to focus more on political freedom. They were, hoping, they were hoping he'd say something about Christ coming free to set the Jews from the Romans so they could go to the Roman government, be a snitch, and the Romans would be like, wow, he's trying to start an insurrection, and they would capture him. A second scenario is the Jews logically believed Christ. So verse 33, they is talking about the Jews that believed Christ, but they did not like trust him completely. And when Christ said that you'll become free, they became like indignant because, hey, we're Abraham's kids. You know, we're the children of Abraham. That means, you know, we're as numerous as the stars and all these things that God said in the Old Testament. You know, how could you say that we'll become free? You know, we're not enslaved to anybody, which is ironic considering their situation with the Romans or, you know, what had happened with Egypt and all these other different times they were captured. But they heard that and they were indignant. But either way, whatever the point is. They were clearly not focusing on spiritual things, whichever it was, whether it was the uh, the Jewish leaders or just the common Jew who had logically believed Christ. They just could not wrap their heads around the fact that Christ was talking about something spiritual instead of focusing on the political issues. So they tell Christ, you know, how can you say, hey, you know, what do you mean you can be made free? We're not enslaved to anybody. In verse 34, Christ is talking about freedom not in this life, but freedom from this life, you know, freedom from earth-minded things. Verse 34 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Now, in the King James Bible, it's translated as servant, and servant's a very, very nice word. However, the NASB that I'm using says slave, and that's just 
really what it is. That's the truth of it. Whenever the King James uses servant, that's really what it means is slave. And when you're a slave, you are a, you have a master, obviously. And if they're a master to something, if they're a master to sin, they have to understand that sin, that sin is not a nice master. Sin is a cruel master. And in this life, we're all servants, we're all slaves to something. Unfortunately, for some people, that's a literal sense. But for most people, it's a metaphorical sense. We're slaves to something. So will we choose to be slaves to our sin or to our master and creator, the God of our salvation? And we cannot serve both, as Matthew 6, 24 says. You will love one and hate the other, hold to one and despise the other, cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve both sin and God. And so if we want to claim identity with Christ, we must break free from this old master of sin, as Romans 6, 15 to 18 says. Romans 6, 15 to 18. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as slaves to obey, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thanks be to God, for you were slaves of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And having been freed from sin, you became the slaves of righteousness. And with this pattern, we see that it's first salvation, then sanctification. Verse 17, Romans 6, 17, But thanks be to God, for you were slaves of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching, salvation, to which you were entrusted. And having been freed from sin, you became the slaves of righteousness. It's not talking about you work your way to salvation. It's talking about the fact that because you are saved, you then become a servant of righteousness. And the Jews had this pattern backwards. Like they were whitened sepulchers, as Christ calls them, full of dead men's bones. They had their outward exterior works, but that led to no actual change on the inside. They truly didn't believe it. They were working for something else. And even if you're working for salvation, you'll never get there. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. All these things point to the fact that you cannot serve to heaven. And speaking of servants, we're going to continue looking at the slave in the son. We're going to look at the fate of the servant and of the saved. Verse 35 in John chapter 8, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Now, for those of you who don't know a lot about Hebrew history, the father of Judaism, Abraham, had a son with his uh, slave Hagar because God promised him a son but they believed that God was working too slow and that his wife was going to get too old. And so his wife was like, you know what, just sleep with Hagar and have a son that way. And we'll just kind of speed up God's plan. And God was like, no, 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 no. Ishmael, uh, Abraham's son through Hagar, is now an embodiment of impatience and distrust of God. And because of this, God cast out Ishmael and Hagar from the house. And this is the same fate of those who trust in religiosity instead of Christ. I mean, here's the point. If you're not in Christ, you are the slave that gets cast out. I mean, just as Christ says in verse 36, so if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. It has nothing to do with your works. Only the son, Christ, can make you free. If Christ abides forever in the house, like, like verse 35 says, if we abide in Christ, we will abide forever. Therefore, those who do not abide will meet the fate of Ishmael. And now we're going to be looking on to different fathers equal different masters. Verse 37, 
I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. Now here Christ is taking the proud name of Jew and declaring it as illegitimate because of their actions. Now, Christ was not referring to direct ancestral relationship because yes, these Jews were descended from Abraham. They were Abraham's sons. Nevertheless, they had only their blood relationship to him, not their spiritual relationship. And this is what Christ is focusing on. It has nothing to do with their blood. It has everything to do with who they are, has everything to do with what's inside. I mean, think about this for a moment. You physically resemble your parents in some way or fashion, some people more than others, but most everybody resembles their parents in some manner. So we imitate our parents. We usually imitate them in looks and behavior and mindset, and depending on how it is, sometimes even mental disorders. So when we imitate our parents, it's a natural thing. So if we are God's children, we will naturally imitate our father. It's kind of like how when the Bible says, uh, be ye holy for I am holy. It's referenced in uh, 1 Peter 1.16, for it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Now, when it says be ye holy, it's not like a commanding and belligerent dictator giving a command, but it's instead of a loving father giving instruction like, hey, look, you're my son, take after me, do my things because you're my son, you should reflect me. It should just be natural for you to reflect me. That's what it's talking about. It's not a belligerent commanding thing, but the Jews were taking it as this, as if the only way to be God's child is just being holy. It had nothing to do with the inside. And so whereas we like we can't pick our physical family, we can choose to follow the word of God to salvation and then sanctification to become the sons of God. I mean, it, it's not anything we can do. It's God loving us, giving us his love and us accepting salvation that makes us children of God. And since we are now children of God, we should naturally imitate the father. And that is what sanctifies us. God's word and our actions are what sanctify us through the spirit of God that saved us. It has nothing to do with our own works or our own merit or anything like that. And so these Jews, they're claiming the name of Abraham, but they're not doing the things that he would do. I mean, look at verse 39 to 48. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham didn't do. And so with that being said, Christ then goes on to reveal who the Jews' true father really is, starting in verse 41. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Now let's stop there real fast and look at the insinuation of the Jews in verse 41. They said, We are not born of fornication. Now, this can be seen as a Jew, the Jews' attempt to delegitimize Christ's claim by saying his birth was illegitimate. And this kind of points to the common phrase of, When you attack the person, you've lost the argument. Instead of recognizing scriptural fulfillment, they were just continuing to deny it and just call Mary, in an indirect sense, a harlot for the things that God had put into her life. Instead of, you know, recognizing the passage from Isaiah 7.14, where it talks about a son coming forth from a virgin being called Emmanuel, they instead chose to bring into question the legitimate birth of Christ. The Jews go on to proclaim that we have one father, God. And this is where Jesus turns right around and gives it to him who the real father is. 
Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So as Christ says, he's like, hey, if God was really your father, you would see that I'm his servant. You would see that I'm sent from God, trying to do the will of God. But you're really not from your father. You cannot understand me. You cannot hear when it says in verse 43, because you cannot hear my words, it's not talking about they literally couldn't hear. It's but that they were willing to not understand. They had the inability to respond to the things that Christ was saying. And then Christ goes on to say, you're going to do the will of your father and your father is the devil. And with that, that should show us that, you know, we have an option of fathers, whether it's the devil found with murdering and lying, you know, which the Jews will be found guilty of at Christ's trial. And all this encompasses to all the other sins of pride, lust, adultery, and all these other other sins, whether it's from the smallest to the largest. So we can have our father be of the devil or we can have it be of God, who is the light of the world, who walks in righteousness and has as he walks in righteousness, we should walk in him and all these other things that show that reliance on God. God once for salvation and then for constant sanctification is the way to pattern our lives, not just for success, but just for peace and for prosperity in the world. Not prosperity as necessarily financial prosperity, but prosperity in the sense that there will be a brotherliness around the world. There'll be peace around the world. If people were willing to give their life to God, how many times will we see pointless wars just fade away? How many times will we see pointless fights and constant bickering just fade away? If people were willing to see the love of God, if people were willing to accept that and walk in his ways, instead the world wants to be licentious, having a license to sin, just like we talked about. That's not what this life is about. Our life is about service to God, yes, but it's only found after salvation. Your service to God does not lead to your salvation. Also, you just shouldn't totally ignore God and go beyond your own because, you know, God is such a loving God that everything is under grace and under the law. There has to be a balance and not a balance that isn't found in Scripture. I'm not talking about a balance that is funded, uh, founded by rules, religiosity and tradition, but founded in the Bible. And then Christ goes on to say, like, look, I'm speaking the truth and you still refuse to believe me. And you're refusing to believe me because you just think I'm sinning, that I'm full. If you look later in the chapter, they talk about him being a Samaritan, so they're being racist about it. And they're talking about him being filled with a devil and they're slandering him. He's like, why are you drawing, like, who, who among you, like, which of you guys can convict me of sin? Like, not convict as in like a personal conviction, but a literal lawful conviction. Like, who can point at something I've did, I've done and say, hey, that guy, he's sinning. He's done wrong. He's blasphemed. He's done all these things. He's like, if I'm speaking the truth, which I have yet to be disproven, why do you not believe me? They couldn't pin Christ with a sin, so why do they rebel? Well, they rebel because they cared more about their hold on the people than a relationship with God. They were so indoctrinated in trying to indoctrinate people into the fact that works, 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 personal holiness, all these things is what keeps the gospel. And Christ saying, no, 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 no. You must first love God and then fulfill the duties of the law 
they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We fulfilled the, we fulfilled the love of God by fulfilling the duties. And he's like, no, that's not how any of that works. They cared more about the religiosity, which ultimately led them to be the thing they swore they were against. They swore they were against the devil. They swore they were against Satan. But that led them to being the very same thing, emulating the very same person that they swore they were against. Because they were more concerned with religion than the truth of God, they were no longer given the title children of God. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Christ took that name, that proud name of Jew, which told the world that they were the children of Yahweh, and he said, no, you are no longer his children, because you no longer hear his words. You no longer abide by what he says. You keep the law, sure, but the law is just a schoolmaster. You have no love for God. You have no love for your neighbor. You have failed in the task I have given you. You are no longer children of God. In talking about these things of being children of God and salvation, some of you might be confused about that. And so if that's the case, go and watch my episode about salvation. It'll be found in the description below and talking about how to become a child of God, how what it means to be saved and then sanctified and how one doesn't lead to the other. It's a very important step before you can understand this passage fully. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I know it was a bit of a longer one, but there was a lot to unpack here in this large chunk of verses. Regardless, thank you for your time and spending with me today, looking through and kind of digging around in this passage. Hopefully within the next episode, I should be having my fiance on and we'll be talking about what it means to have a God-centered relationship and what it means to be focusing on God during times of you know, struggle during times of quarantine and all these things of how to get through in a godly relationship in the modern world. Thank you guys so much for listening. God bless you. I love you. See you next time. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to Little Light Devotionals. If you'd like to keep up with me on social media, find me on Instagram at Little Light, the first I is a one. And on Facebook slash Little Light, the first I is a one. Follow me on SoundCloud to get updates about new episodes and find all of my business contact info at linkapp.com slash AC underscore LL. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot com slash AC underscore LL. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I'm hoping to see you again next time.